Hey, hey, come on in the room, everybody. This one here, I'm not, listen, I'm no gas. I'm not hyping it up. During study, I was tripping like, what? Lord, for real? Oh, you see that? It's going to be a lot of biblical references that we have to do for tonight's preaching presentation. We're talking about unfinished business. And like right now, get your notepad. You're going to have a lot of notes. Be ready to replay I am convinced that this word on tonight, on this beautiful Sunday night, is going to bless your soul. Go ahead and take a screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world. Thank you for everybody joining us, people from United Kingdom, from South Africa, from Ireland, from South Korea, from Brazil, of course, America. We thank you so much, and I'm so grateful for the wit that God is adding to this series. Now, I want you to understand why I felt the Holy Spirit has led me to go this direction on tonight, because many of us are struggling. Many of us, we're struggling with mindsets and secret addictions and strongholds and cravings and lustful desires, emotional pain, mental pain, and we don't even know, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did my lust get on one like this? Can y'all talk to me? I know we've only been on like two minutes, but talk to me. How, how did I get so lustful? I'm talking about at a young age, you can recall your mother, your mother and your daddy saying, cover your eyes and you still watching like this. <laughs> you, you still want to see, you remember, that was 22 minutes and 14 seconds. How did my lust get like this? It's almost as if puberty was my lust alarm clock. Or how, how did I get to a place to where my mouth is filled with so much profanity? I mean, you'll cuss a heifer clean out. I didn't say curse, I said cuss. I mean, just a creative cusser. You putting curse words together that don't even match. Just how are you bleep, 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 bleep doing today? Just don't even match. Just mouth filled with profanity. How, how, how did it get like this? And why am I so angry? Why am I so angry? I can recall being upset in middle school and upset in high school and I was angry on graduation day and had anger in my being in college and I'm still angry to this very day. The first emotion that you feel when your eyes wake up is anger. How, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I gain so much weight? How did I lose so much weight? How, how did I get to a place to depend on these antidepressants the way I'm depending on them? How did I get to a place where I'm depending on these sleeping pills and due to us arriving to a place that we don't even know how we got here? We feel defeated and powerless to change. But I believe on tonight we are going to expose the strategy of the enemy. We're going to expose the strategy of the enemy and we are going to expose a supernatural power that you have in the spirit realm. We're going to expose because there is power in recognition. <laughs> there is power in recognition and a lot of us haven't even recognized that you are dealing with the unfinished business of your ancestors. Yeah, you're dealing with the unfinished business of your ancestors because like I stated several times, purpose is a fixer. 
Purpose fixes problems. Therefore, when you and I die, there should be some problems that no longer exist. Because when God cosmically created me, it was because I am called to advance the kingdom and there is a problem in the earth. And while I am here in time, I have been anointed to fix this problem. And when I live a life outside of purpose, this is how problems become generational. There was a problem that my great, great, great grandparent was supposed to fix, but they didn't. And there's a problem that your great, great, great grandparent was supposed to fix, but they didn't. And there's a problem that your great, great grandparent was supposed to fix, and your great grandparent was supposed to fix, and your grandparent was supposed to fix, and your mother was supposed to fix, and your daddy was supposed to fix, and they didn't do it. So now you are not only warring with your own flesh, you are dealing with the unfinished business of ancient spirits. This is powerful, y'all. And, and, and this, this is what bothers me so much. Why is there a famine of this particular discussion and dialogue in the church? I can't speak for any other ministry. I can't speak for any other church or any other pastor, but I am a man who wants to know the power of deliverance. I am a pastor who still believes in the miraculous. I don't think that's old school. I want to know the secrets of the kingdom. I want to know revelations of the kingdom. I need to have discernment so that I can identify angels from fallen angels because some of us are dealing with ancient spirits and you think it's your personality, but it's not. It's not. And like I stated, if, if you just study the life of Jesus, if you were to just look at the synoptic, the synoptic gospels, if you just look at all of the gospels and you study Jesus' life, you will see that he constantly dealt with demons. He constantly exhibited miracles. He constantly talked about the kingdom. My concern is that have we reduced the power of God to some cute, sugar-coated, inspirational 25-minute message that you were hollering and you were talking that church was great on Sunday, but then on Sunday night when you're dealing with a spiritual warfare, when you're, when you're dealing with an assault from the enemy, you don't know how to fight. Because all you've been taught was, man, church was great. Church was good. But how do I engage in spiritual Warfare. And how do I discern if I'm dealing with the unfinished business of my ancestors? This message on tonight, y'all, is dangerous. Can I get somebody put in the room? It's dangerous. This type of word is dangerous because it will expose us to a level of spiritual understanding so that we can learn how to fight. And a lot of us, the reason we have been losing fights is because we are trying to handle spiritual things with natural remedies. So God, we pray. And we ask you, oh God, would you flood the atmosphere? Would you, would you open our eyes, God, so that we could see any and everything and every strategy that the enemy is using to try to keep us stuck so that we never experience the promises? God, I, I pray and I'm, I'm begging that you anoint me as your oracle, as the PA system, the soundtrack of heaven. Help us to dive in your word. Help us to mature, oh God, so that we won't fall for the same traps 
that have been set for generation after generation. I thank you that there is a blood shifting anointing on this word. I thank you that there is a cycle breaking anointing on this word, God, so that when we hear this message, we will be able to look back on the files of our life and be able to say it was on this day where I recognized and I learned how to fight. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop a man in the room? A man. I would like to speak around this thought from this subject for part 11 of this heart rehab series, unfinished business. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Unfinished business. This sermon on tonight is a call for the cycle breaker. This message on tonight is an anthem for the cycle breaker and it is confession time. I need everybody to get your fingers ready and put this in the room in all caps, all caps, confession time. Can I get everybody to put this in the room? It may have ran in my family, but due to my birth, it just ran out. Speak, speak that over your life, all caps in the room. It may have ran in my family, but due to my birth, due to my birthday, it just ran out. Unfinished business. Now you gotta bear with me, I have to give you a lot of biblical context on tonight so that you can see I'm not up here just preaching heresy. You can see that I'm not just up here preaching opinions. I told you Jerry doesn't do that, we give you sound doctrine. So I need you to, to just stay along with me. Let's start in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. It says, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. I want you to see this same particular passage of scripture, just one verse, verse 4 of Genesis chapter 6 in the Message Bible. This is Genesis chapter 6, verse 4 in the Message Bible. It says, this was back in the days and also later when there were giants in the land. The giants came from the union of the sons of God and the daughters of men. These were mighty men of ancient lore, the famous ones. So right here in the text, we're seeing that many times there are giants that have been in our bloodline and we haven't even been aware of it. I'm gonna give you more Bible. Numbers chapter 13, it says, verse 27, they gave Moses the account, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. 
This was the promise that God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they may worship me and I will give you a land that is flowing with milk and honey. This means God is saying, I'm going to give you a land that is agriculturally rich. This is my promise, Canaan, all right? Here is his fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Vey. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So Caleb was of the mind, listen, I don't care what y'all see, this is our promise. I don't care that we're in a pandemic, this is our promise. I don't care what obstacle may be before us, this is our promise. And if it is our promise, we be well able to possess it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we have explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. Watch this. We saw the Nephilim there. Hmm. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. I need you to not just breeze past what you just read. In Genesis chapter 6, we see these giants, the Nephilim are there. But then in Genesis chapter 6 and 7, there is a great flood. You know the story of Noah's Ark? There's a flood in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 7. How in the world are we still seeing the Nephilim in Numbers chapter 13? Are you seeing this? Genesis chapter 6, they're giants. The Nephilim live in the land. There's a flood though. But then in Exodus chapter 13, we're seeing the Nephilim. It is because ancient spirits, please stay with me, ancient spirits form tollways in the bloodline. Ancient spirits form tollways in the bloodline. How else would this still be able to continue in the earth after a flood? It is because ancient spirits form tollways in the bloodline. I'm just convinced, though, that somebody has to stop paying the toll. <laughs> ancient spirits are in the bloodline. See, listen, listen, please understand this. Ancient spirits hover over bloodlines. Most of us haven't even recognized it. There is an ancient spirit of anger in our blood. There is an ancient spirit of rage in our blood. There is an ancient spirit of lust in our blood. It could go all the way back to 1635 and then to 1762 to 1871 to 1932. It is an ancient spirit that has formed a tollway in the bloodline, and now you are dealing with it. You are dealing with it. It is, it is 
It is the forest fire of a satanic assault that is burning down this tree of a generation and this tree of a generation and this tree of a generation. But there has to be somebody who's not afraid of the heat. Preach Holy Spirit. I'm fired up, y'all. There has to be somebody who is not afraid of the heat. I recognize that there is a forest fire of satanic assault burning down this tree of a generation and that tree of a generation and the, this tree of a generation. Somebody has to not be afraid of the heat. In other words, this many time is manifested as a divine frustration. A divine frustration. It's when your spirit recognizes the ancient spirit. This is so good, y'all. It's when your spirit recognizes there is an ancient spirit. In lamest terms, it's when you recognize everybody in my family get drunk. Everybody in my family gets divorced. All of my uncles have anger issues. All of my uncles abuse their wives. All of the women in my family are promiscuous. I'm starting to notice that there is just this pattern. It is when you have a divine frustration. It is God calling you to be the one that you are going to break the cycle. Anxious spirits, yes, they have formed a toll road, but somebody has to stop paying for it. Our grandparents pay for it. Our great-grandparents pay for it. But somebody watching this message, you're like, you know what? I'm out of change. You know what? I'm tired of it. It stops with me. And I firmly believe that you will be the prototype. You will be the bloodline shifter. You will be the framework. You will be the template. You will be the forerunner. But... The only way we can start by breaking this cycle is by education and exposure. We need more sermons like this that will get you to have a biblical education that I'm seeing in the text. That it is possible what I think is my personality is actually an ancient spirit that's in my blood. And it's affecting me, but it's really the ancient spirit that has been passed down that's trying to get a hold of me. And so this is called pattern awareness. When God opens your eyes where you're able to see, this is not just an addiction. This is not just bad habits. This is an ancient spirit. And God opens your eyes. Or you hear messages like this where you have a pattern awareness. Because listen, I cannot close a door I never knew was open. Pattern awareness. I cannot confront a portal that I never knew was open. Pattern awareness. I cannot defeat a giant that I don't know exists. Pattern awareness. It's when God gives you this, this discernment, something's not right. You probably felt it at family reunions. Something's not right. The way my aunts talk to their husbands, something's not right. You don't know what it is, and I'm trying to give you an epiphany. It is pattern awareness. Pattern awareness. It is several times we are having arguments with people, and you don't even recognize you're having a warfare argument. <laughs> it's so powerful. 
A warfare argument. You ever just, your mama just frustrate you? It's like she don't get it. Like she just can't see it. Your daddy just doesn't see it. Your, your brother, it's like they don't get it. Your uncle, they just don't get it. Your sister, they, don't, they just don't get it. Your friends, you don't even recognize you're having a warfare argument. You're not dealing with that person. You're dealing with a principality. Preach Holy Ghost. You're dealing with a principality. I find it so amazing. As I was studying, the word principality has two root words in it. Prince and principle. Okay? So it's, it's when that prince of Persia has set up as principle over a region. Did y'all get that? It, it is when that prince of darkness sets up as principle. I want you to think of a school. Principle, ending in P-A-L. It sets up as principle over a region or principle over a bloodline. And they're carrying out my principles in the school of your personality. Did you hear me? It is when that prince of darkness has set up as principle. What do principles do? They establish things. It's when this, this ancient spirit has established an infrastructure in this bloodline. This ancient spirit has established an infrastructure in this region. And now they're following my principles. P-L-E. They're following my principles in the school of your personality. And this is why a lot of times you go on back and forth and it's like they don't get it. You're not dealing with the person. You're dealing with the principality. There is a spiritual principle that comes from the prince of darkness at work in their life. And while you're going back and forth, I'm trying to save your energy. It is not until the Holy Spirit opens their eyes that they will even see the need to change. We have, we have patterns, portals, possession, patterns. Patterns, portals, possession, pattern. Again, patterns, portals, possession, pattern, triangle. The pattern is the track. The pattern is, is when that ancient spirit is formulating the railroad. It is formulating the pathway. That is our patterns. It's the track. Patterns lead to portals. What is a portal? It is an access point. It's an area in our life where there is an open door. There is an area where there is an entry. And then after that entry, that entry goes to possession. That is the grip. This is when the enemy has a grip on your mind has a grip on your emotions, or sometimes it actually uses that body as a host, which becomes a pattern. This is so powerful, y'all. This is dangerous because I'm exposing something. It starts with the pattern. That pattern lays down a tollway, which leads to portals. That is the access point, the entry, and that portal goes to possession. You remember, though, how I told you that we serve a God of reverse? You remember that? How he knows our end from the beginning. And sometimes it's so hard for us to understand our life story because God will give you a word from chapter 46 while you're in chapter 17. <laughs> so it's like, listen, you're going to have to eliminate this in chapter 17 because I know where you're going in chapter 46. He's the God of a verse. This is why it's so confusing to us when God gives us the next word while we're in a now place. 
because he's the God of reverse. When you have wells that you didn't dig, but I'm in the wilderness. He's the God that sees our ending from the beginning. So many times he'll tell you what is coming in one chapter by saying in this and this chapter because he knows our end from the beginning. He's the God of reverse. And y'all remember how I showed you how he reverses things? Like some people, they're done with church because my pastor was a wolf. But if we reverse that, we get flow. And God wants us to live in the flow. So now I study and I have discernment for myself because he's the God of reverse. What if I told you that freedom many times happens in reverse? Remember, we have patterns, portals, possession, pattern. What if we reverse that? What if we start looking at our patterns, which will show us the area in our life where there's a possession? The area in our life where there's a grip. And then once we identify that grip, we then can tie it to an open door. Maybe the possession of lust is so strong because there's an open door of pornography. Maybe the, 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 the desire for me to constantly act out on my sexual cravings is so strong and has gripping my sexuality is because of that open portal of molestation. And now that I understand the door, then I could start to eliminate the track. And now I could change my patterns. This is so good, y'all. Patterns. Patterns. I'm going to give you more Bible just in case y'all like, okay, kind of lose me. I'm going to give you more Bible. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. It says, and Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Somebody say, that's a lie. That's a lie. She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. One more time, somebody say lie. All right. Now, Genesis 26, verse 6, it says, So Isaac, this is Abraham's son, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of that place asked about his wife. And he said, She is my sister. Somebody once again say another lie. Y'all seeing this? Y'all see? Connection. Your daddy was lying, not a son is lying. Okay. With the same type of lie. Crazy. She is my sister. For he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech king of the Philistines looked through a window and saw and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah his wife. Then Abimelech came, then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously she is your, your wife. So how could you say she is my sister. Lie. Now let's go to Genesis 27. I'm giving you Bible. Genesis 27. So he went to his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, which is Isaac, I am Esau, your firstborn. Are y'all seeing this? Are y'all seeing this? He's lying to his daddy. And his daddy lied about his wife. And his daddy lied about his wife. What we are seeing is in this particular text, Abraham was dealing with falsehood in Genesis chapter 20. And then his son Isaac is also lying in Genesis chapter 26. And then we see his son Jacob 
Abraham's grandson is lying to his daddy, saying that he's Esau. What are we seeing? A bloodline system of falsehood. What are we seeing? We are seeing ancient spirit of lying in the blood. Are y'all catching this? Lying. It's in the blood. And don't judge them. Don't judge them. <laughs> because in the track meet of your life, there's a baton that's being passed down in your family tree from an ancient spirit too. And a lot of us just haven't recognized it because we never had teaching that tried to get us to be exposed to it. And I began to study a little deeper. I was like, okay, okay. Abraham lying, Isaac lying, and Jacob lying about who he is. But I just thought about something. Isaac married Rebecca. Rebecca married Isaac. And Isaac had an ancient spirit of falsehood. Don't miss this. Isaac married Rebecca. And Rebecca was married to Isaac. And Isaac had an ancient spirit of falsehood. This is why you have to be careful with who you marry. Lord, don't make me throw my towel because I need it. This is why you got to be careful with who you marry and who you do relationships with. Because relationships are travel documents for ancient spirits. What we're about to read is blowing my mind because how is it that Rebecca is behaving the same type of way her husband and her husband's father is behaving. It's because ancient spirits don't just hover vertically. They also hover horizontally. It's not just who's in your family, but it's also who you allow to become your family. This is so good, y'all. It doesn't just get passed down. It also gets transferred. We need more messages about spiritually transmitted devils. We know about sexually transmitted diseases. Oh, but do you know about spiritually transmitted demons? <laughs> just, I'm like, how? Look, look at this, look at this. Genesis, Genesis chapter 27, verse 5. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah said to Jacob, her son, saying, indeed, I heard your father speaking to Esau, your brother, bro, saying, bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. According to what I command you, go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats. I don't even have time to bother that. I don't even have time to bother how you always see how goat is like symbolic of falsehood. How you always see that there's a separation between sheep and goats. And when, Jake, when uh, Joseph's brothers took his coat, they put goat's blood on the coat. I don't even have time to bother that. So go get two, two choice kids of goats and I will make savory food for them, for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother is a hairy man and I'm a smooth skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me my son, only obey my voice and go get them for me. This is powerful, y'all. And a lot of us don't even recognize that anxious spirit 
that was on mama is trying to work in our bloodline too. I'm going to give you more Bible. You can see this. Genesis chapter 49, verse 5. It says, Simeon and Levi are brothers, and their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly, for they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they please. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. So right now we're seeing that Jacob's like, okay, there, there's a spirit of anger here. But check this out, though. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 Speaking of Moses, it says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Are y'all catching this? Moses is from the tribe of Levi. And we're seeing in Genesis chapter 49 that Simeon and Levi, they are swords of violence. They have killed men. Look at this, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out and there was his own people. Where he watched them at hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that way, seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Are y'all seeing this? He's killing. Exodus 2, he's killing, but in Genesis 49, there's, there's this, this sort of violence, this Anger that has caused for them to kill, this fury, this fierce anger. Look at, look at Moses in Numbers chapter 20, verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and I will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, uh-oh, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses spoke to the rock. Is that what it says? Moses spoke to the rock like God told him. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock. You can't say it's an accident because he struck it twice. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Look at this. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Listen, you have to catch this. You have to catch this. Please don't miss this. All of that was groundwork where you could see it is possible for there to be an ancient spirit in the bloodline. And this is the goal. I get it. This is the goal of the enemy. If I can get that ancient spirit to get in your blood and now start to affect you, you could miss out on the promise. <laughs> oh, this is so good. So now, if I never deal with this ancient spirit, what hell wants to happen, there's something that happened in 1635, and there's something that happened in 1762, 
And there's something else that happened in 1871. There's this ancient spirit of anger. It's all the way back to 1932. I want to take this anger. I've used it as a tollway in your bloodline. And now I'm trying to get all of this stuff that's been in your bloodline and been in your ancient history. I'm trying to get all of it to get on you. Every single stronghold, everything. I'm trying to get it right there on you. Why? Because I want you to miss out on the promise. Moses was promised. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me. And you will take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. But because he wasn't able to handle this ancient spirit, and it was still anger on him. We saw it in Genesis 49, Simeon and Levi. Moses comes from that tribe. There's this anger that calls for you to miss out on the promise. See, a lot of us are tripping over breakups, and we don't even recognize that breakup was God severing something that could possibly cause for you to activate impulsive behavior where you could miss the promise. Bible all day. God tried to remove these people from Moses. He tried it. Moses like, no, nah, don't do that, God. What they going to say? That you brought us up out of Egypt, but you didn't bring us into the promised land. What they going to say, God? And so God relented. But if he would have trust God and God would have removed them, maybe he wouldn't have had people in his life who agitated that ancient spirit, which caused for him to strike that rock, which made him miss the promise. I'm going to go a little deeper. What if you're not just attracting sorry men? Because you're like, why are these dudes I attract so sorry? Like, like where are they? Where are they at? Why are these men so sorry? What if it's not just you're attracting sorry men? What if it's that ancient spirit's attempt to get you to perpetuate a narrative of broken households? Because ancient spirits, the reason they war for women is because they need wombs. God, I hope you're getting this. I need a womb because that womb is going to house something that is going to keep that ancient spirit in the bloodline. Are y'all hearing me? This is why he wants men. He wants us to be so lustful. Because if I can get for you to be lustful and not know who you are, you can end up spilling your seed in a womb that will keep an ancient spirit going in the earth. This is why purity, this is why purity and wisdom is so powerful. Because when you practice purity, you are limiting the ancient spirit's ability to go to a next generation. God says, I want godly offspring. We see that in the word of God. I need godly offspring. So God wants godly marriages because godly marriages gives off godly offspring. And godly offspring produces godly nations. And godly nations produces godly generations. Right here in our text, verse 4 of what we read in our foundational text, verse 4 says, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were heroes of old. Ancient spirits, ladies, needs your womb. I want you to be so desperate. I want you to be so thirsty. I don't want you to have sound biblical doctrine. Because if you don't understand the power of your purpose, you'll open your legs and help me continue a bloodline cycle. Men, I need you to have discipline enough with movements about women practicing purity. I need you to understand the value of your seed. 
You don't just spill your seed in the belly of a whore. You save your seed for covenant because God needs godly offspring. It's not about you just getting orgasms. It's opening up a door to keep a portal open so that these ancient spirits can go from bloodline to bloodline. And now you are dealing with it because hell is trying to keep you from missing out on the promise. This is how a lot of us feel as though I'm not experiencing the stuff that the Bible talks about. The only way you can experience the promises the Bible speaks about, I have to be the Christ follower the Bible speaks about. It's not God just making you miss out. You don't understand in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, ancient spirits are trying to stay in the earth. And you practicing purity and you having wisdom where now you are aware of this. A lot of us, you didn't know. You probably have never seen the Bible connect like that. But now you're like, oh, maybe it's not I keep attracting sorry men or sorry women. Maybe it's hell trying to perpetuate a narrative to keep an ancient spirit active in the earth. Well, I got the revelation, Jerry, and now my legs closed until I say I do to a kingdom man. Now I have revelation, and I'm not spilling my seed anymore on any woman because I recognize that there is an ancient spirit, and God needs to break the cycle through me. Ancient spirits build tollways, but somebody has to stop paying the toll. So what hell does now, when these ancient spirits are affecting you, I don't want you to get to the promise. So I now start to set up some traps. <laughs> I want to set up some traps because you saved, right? You, got, you know Jesus. Hey, he's your Lord and Savior, but I could still set some traps. And hopefully you'll fall for the trap. And miss out on the promise. One trap he does is the trap of haste. It is, it is, it is a bloodline cycle of haste decision making. Because cycles come out of anxious choices. Oh, I hope you're getting this. Cycles come out of ancient, anxious choices. Anytime you have a cadence of doing things in a haste, I gotta get this car, I gotta get it, I gotta get it, there's a sale, I gotta get this house, I gotta get it, gotta get it, I gotta hurry up and get it, I gotta get married. You risk missing warning signs. Some of us live life so fast that every warning sign and every red flag is seen in a blur. Moving so quick that we don't even see it. The word wait. It's in the Bible 106 times. The word wait is in the Bible 106 times. Therefore, anytime you feel the need to be in haste, there is a 106% chance you should wait. <laughs> you should wait. And what you'll discover is if you perform an inspector gadget of your bloodline, mama was always in a hurry. Grandma was always in a hurry. I know my daddy was always rushing because he wasn't thinking. I got all these stepbrothers. He wasn't thinking at all. You'll notice that haste mindsets are the reproductive system for prolonged seasons. Did you hear what I just said? A haste 
mindset is the reproductive system of prolonged seasons. You want to stay in a season longer than you have to? Move fast. You want to stay in a season longer than you have to? Make every choice with speed. It is the trap of haste. The next trap, of course, the trap of sex. It's the trap of sex. Sex is the main transportation unit that hell uses to keep ancient spirits in the bloodline. I have to have somebody who will moan and groan, and they think it's just an orgasm, but it's not just an orgasm, it's a portal. God, I don't know if this messed y'all up like it was messing me up. It's a portal. You think it's just you feeling good, but it's really a seating chart for demonic strongholds. Where am I going to sit on this woman? What demonic stronghold can we? I got options because they're so promiscuous. I got options because they're so adulterous. The sex trap, it's a trap to keep the anxious spirit in the bloodline. It's not about how fine he or she is. It's not about, man, I'm my biological clock. It's about recognizing I am carrying something that could cause a cycle to continue or to stop it because I trust in the Lord. Remember, wait is in the Bible 106 times. So whenever you feel the need to be in haste, there is a 106% chance you should wait. <laughs> that is, I didn't even show y'all my little rap trap. That is the trap of sex. I want to trap you here so that you'll never get here. The next trap is the trap of comparison. You know what God revealed to me as I was studying? The trap of comparison is so dangerous because when you end up wanting to be like them, you don't even recognize there's some ancient spirits that they're dealing with. And so when you start to be like them and start to do what they do, you open up the door to be dealing with the same ancient... You open up the door to be dealing with the same ancient spirits that they're dealing with that you wouldn't even have to deal with if you weren't trying to emulate them. It's, it's a trap. The trap of comparison. Let me lay it down. To hopefully make sure they step on this trap and will never experience the promise. So how do we overcome this trap? Two answers. Number one, the blood. If it's in the bloodline, I have to be born again. His blood recalibrates the blood. Did y'all catch that? The blood. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13, it says, When we were dead in your sins and the uncircumcised of your, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charges of legal indebtedness which stood against us, Condemning us, he has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. When we live a life where we're blood covered and I'm seeking God's face, I have disarmed everything that is trying to get in your past, that's trying to get you to stay in a place where all of this stuff in my blood is affecting who I am, I have a promise for you. I have a promise for you. The blood still works. That's not old school. That's biblical. Number two, how, how do I break these, these, these ancient spirits? I'm blood covered and I have to fast. 
I have to fast. Listen, fasting will always give you withdrawals that will expose where the grip is. When you fast, it will expose, man, I got a lot of anger up in me. Like I'm hungry and I'm pissed. When, when you fast, it will expose, man, I really want to go back to watch that porn. Man, I really, I really want to go get high. When you fast, it loosens the grip. This is so powerful, man. It loosens the grip of what tries to hold you. Wherever your flesh rages when you fast is where the ancient spirit is trying to hold you. Mark chapter 9. Then one of the ones in the crowd answered and said, Teachers, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they, that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Demons can't handle being in the Lord's presence. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? Look at this, y'all. He said from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, and merely the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. Now I want you to jump down to verse 29. Jesus says to them, these kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Some of us have been trying to handle spiritual things with natural remedies. And I'm trying to get you to see the only way I can loosen this ancient spirit grip is by being blood covered except in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and by fasting deliberate engaging a suffering to turn down the volume of my flesh because everybody's watching this message I believe you are the one that God is going to use to be the prototype and to break the cycle because ancient spirits form pathways they form toll roads but somebody has to stop paying the toll and I believe that person is you so, Father God, we pray. Thank you, O oh God, for opening our eyes so that we could see that maybe it's not just me dealing with this issue. It's something that the enemy has been striving to use for generation and generations. But, God, I thank you that you've saved me. I thank you that I'm blood covered and that I'm saved. But being, being saved is not the end. It's the beginning of a beautiful love story with you for the rest of our life. God, would you help us and expose every area in our life where the enemy thinks he has ownership of us. Strengthen us and beckon your people to fast because certain kinds 
only come out by fasting and prayer. And may we be people that change the world for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.